The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. This Gospel is of St. Mark. It is found on page 1560 in the Pew Bible. Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. How many times do you think you have driven to this church and you arrived at about the expected time that you thought you would arrive and nothing unusual happened during the drive? How many days do we wake up and everything is more or less okay. How often do we go swimming with friends or family and nobody drowns? Do you know that most police officers, when they retire, that the only time that they've drawn and fired their weapon is at the range? Have you ever taken a few moments to think about all of the things that go right in our lives most of the time? We don't think about it very often, but trillions and trillions of things happen around us every instant of our lives. For example, tables, except for this morning, don't fall apart when we set things on them. Chairs do not collapse when we sit in them. We take a breath and air fills our lungs. 
You can use any or all of your senses, senses, and you know. You know that the number of things that happen around you at any given instant is more than you can possibly imagine, possibly understand, or think about. Yet, God does all of these things for you, and for me, and for billions of people around the world. There are more molecules of oxygen and nitrogen and other gases in the air at the tip of your nose than you could count in a lifetime. Yet God actively controls them all, continuously, from the beginning of time until the end of time. We don't often take time to consider that God tracks each of these molecules on a continuous basis and has done so from the beginning of time. We don't often take time to consider what a big thing it is for God to run the universe. We don't think about God tracking every last subatomic particle in the entire universe and causing them all to obey his will. And, considering this, the sun converting hydrogen into helium and pouring the leftover energy in, out into space so that a fraction of it can land on planet Earth and sustain life as we know it. Consider, consider that gravity holds this planet in its orbit about the sun, and it also holds us to this planet so that we don't go flying off into space. Consider all these things and more, and the resources that God has as he governs them, all down to the last scintilla, the last tiniest, tiny part of matter and energy. It makes you dizzy just to think about it and consider the wonder of our God Consider that he actually pulls it off continuously down through the halls of time and he never makes one error as he does it. It's mind-boggling. Now, after all of that, imagine Job. As God comes to him in the power of a whirlwind, And he has a few simple uh, questions for Job. He says, hey, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you must know, Job. Or who stretched the line upon it, God asked. On where is its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstones when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? How would you like, think about this, how would you like to be on the witness stand and answer such questions from the Almighty? How would you like it for God to cross-examine you? Isn't it 
any really any wonder that Job finally said, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. What else could anybody do when God calls them to the carpet? Talk about a come-to-Jesus moment. And, you know, us dads have had those conversations with our children. Maybe we've gotten them from our own fathers. You get called to the carpet. Consider what it means that the God who is in charge of this entire universe. Think about this. The creator of heaven and earth, he personally, he intimately, better than you know, he knows you. This means that he knows the good and the bad about you. How do you feel about that? There's nothing hidden from him. How does that make you feel? What would you do if God came to you in the same way that he came to Job? What would you do if God laid out your life before you in all its sin and shame and he exposed every last detail to the overwhelming light of his law. How does that make you feel? Well, I know that I would want to dig a hole and I'd want to get in it. And I'd want to pull that hole in over myself. And I would want to do anything and everything to get away from the many accusations that God would have against me. It would cause more grief than I could bear. It would be devastating. It would be terrifying. Much more terrifying, I estimate, than the whirlwind that appeared to Job. Now consider what it means that the God who is in charge of this entire universe, not only knows you, but he loves you. He cares for you. He cares about you more than you can care and do care about yourself. He cares about you enough to do something about the terror that his law causes in your heart and my heart. That is how he and how we come today to the gospel where that same God who runs the entire universe is taking a nap. He's taking a nap in a fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee. Think about it. A nap. A simple nap means that the same God who talked to Job out of the whirlwind loved you enough to assume your human mortality into his divine essence. What does that mean? It means that he did more than just walk a mile in your shoes. He walked a lifetime in your skin. And as the writer of Hebrews, or to the Hebrews, says this in Hebrews 4.15, we do not have 
a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So, in this nap, I used Jesus as a justification for naps at home, by the way, but in this nap, in this nap, we see Jesus, the human being, a man who was tired. After serving others, he was tired. He took a nap. So how do we know this? How do we know that this human being who was taking a nap in the stern of the boat is also the God who spoke to Job? We talked about this a little while ago. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Well, we know that this is the man that talked to Job and because he got up. He got up and he demonstrated his power and his authority by telling the waves and the wind to stop it. And they did. The one who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, as Ed read, who made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. That same guy is Jesus By showing his command of the wind and the wave, Jesus showed that he was the same God who interrogated Job. He is the God who created and still commands all of creation. And today's gospel not only tells us that Jesus is both God and man, but it also tells us why it is important that the Son of God assumed a human nature. You see, Every storm is an expression of the curse that came when sin entered the world. Our sin not only brings sickness and death to us, but even even the world was cursed. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write to the Romans in Romans 8.22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Floods, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, hail, lightning, earthquakes, and all the other natural disasters are a result of the curse that our sin brought into this world. These natural disasters are not only storms that our sin has brought into the world. They, there are other storms that we know about. There are other storms in our lives as well. There are medical storms of infections and heart disease, diabetes and strokes and cancer and, well, viruses. And there are relational storms of broken families and friendships. And there are financial storms of when a company or company closings and layoffs. And ultimately, 
there is the storm of death that comes to all of us sooner or later. And we may try to deny the existence of sin in our lives, but these storms, both public and private, say otherwise. Although we may be nowhere near the water, these storms often give us the same sinking feeling that the disciples had on the Sea of Galilee. We may indeed ask the same question that the disciples ask when they said, Teacher, do you not care we are perishing? I wouldn't do it this way. Maybe he's mad at me. Have you ever felt that? Like Job's friends, boy, you must have done something awful bad for him to put that on you. Have you ever done that, heard that from the accuser? We may indeed come to the point that we wonder if God really cares for us. It is in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the fact that the Son of God assumed a human nature that we see God's care. We know the nature of the Father because we witness the nature of the Son through Scripture. In Jesus Christ, God assumed human nature to save humans from their nature, their sinful nature. For our own sin has doomed us to perish, not just from this earth, but from also the blessings that God's presence is with us. We, we were, before God came to us, and before we were baptized, we were the walking dead without hope. And we would be lost forever unless we are delivered from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. But the Father of all mercy and grace, he sent his Son, Jesus Christ, who, as you know, atoned for the sin of the whole world, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The one who stilled the water and even walked on the water eventually spilled forth water. As Christ's dead body hung from the cross in John 19.34, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. And with that water and that blood, the one who brought peace to the wind and the water also brought peace between man and God. And from his baptism in the water of the Jordan to the pouring forth of the water from his heart, Jesus sanctified and instituted all waters to be a blessed flood and a washing away of sin in these waters. He removed all sin from us and took it on himself so that he could withstand the justice of God in our place. And with the pouring forth of the water and the blood in his suffering and death on that cross, 
Jesus satisfied God's justice. He satisfied our justice against our sin. The water that poured forth from Jesus' side as he hung dead on the cross, it reminds us of another pouring of water, water that joins us to Christ in that font, the water of holy baptism. That it is in that water that we receive the credit that Christ earned for us by his death on the cross. It is also with that water that we receive the blessing of his resurrection. For Christ did not remain in the grave. We know that. But after he conquered death, he rose from the death never to die again. Just as the holy baptism unites us to Christ in his death, so also it unites us to a resurrection so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That is Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 6, verse 4. That's a big deal. In conclusion, Jesus Christ is both fully God and fully man. With that combination, we find our full salvation from sin, death, and the power of the devil. And in his humanity, he was able to suffer on the cross in our place and for our good. And in his deity, he was able to defeat our foes and rise from the dead to give us eternal life. It is in the person of Jesus Christ who both took a nap and stilled the storm that we have our faith and the promise of eternal life. In the name of Jesus, amen.